hello today to everybody who listens to Future Primitive. I am presently very, very moved to be on the phone with my friend Barbara Marks Hubbard. Buckminster Fuller called Barbara Marks Hubbard the best informed human now alive regarding futurism and the foresights it has produced. Widely regarded as his philosophical heir, Barbara is a social innovator, speaker, author, educator, and leader in the new worldview of conscious evolution. Through her books, DVDs, educational programs, TV appearances, interviews, and speaking engagements, her message continues to bring answers and comfort to global audiences seeking answers to today's most pressing issues. I also would like to say that Barbara's books include The Hunger of Eve, One Woman's Odyssey Towards the Future, The Evolutionary Journey, Your Guide to a Positive Future, Revelation, Our Crisis is a Birth, An Evolutionary Interpretation of the New Testament, and Conscious Evolution, Awakening the Power of Our Social Potential and Emergence, The Shift from Ego to Essence. So, Barbara, this morning I was remembering that... uh, you and I and and our friends were at the first uh, shuttle launch, the first launch of the shuttle discovery. And uh, the other thing that I was uh, remembering as well is that you and I have talked a lot about the atomic bomb and the H-bomb. And that um, personally, I see the... um, atomic bomb and the H-bomb as a moment where where humanity really um, bottomed out, touched the bottom. And then I see the moment when you and I and our friends watch this amazing cathedral rise into the skies. I see that as a, um, as a, uh, as a cry from humanity to really rise and change the consciousness that we're in. So I'd love you to talk about that. Oh, well, that is just the most perfect context. And I feel just as you do, uh, Joanna, and I think that 1945, with the explosion of the bombs, not only did we bottom out, but you might say it was the end of a phase of evolution, Mm -hmm. because when a species is as intelligent as we are to understand the nature of of the atom and make a bomb with it, that was only the beginning of how we could use knowledge for power that could destroy the world. And at the same time, we entered into a phase where I began to realize we could use knowledge for power to evolve the world. And I think the dropping of the bomb was the beginning of the first phase of conscious evolution. Mm-hmm. Aware that we are an aspect of evolution, we are affecting our evolution, we can just make ourselves extinct, 
or we could evolve ourselves, and toward what would we evolve ourselves? So I started out as a 15, 16-year-old girl researching everything I could read to see if anyone had a positive image of the future equal to our new power. And at that time, in the late 40s, early 50s, I couldn't find anyone. And then when I saw, starting with John Glenn, go into space, Mm -hmm. and then the Apollo program, I suddenly realized, you might say, that that the meaning of our power was giving birth to a universal species, Mm -hmm. that we were coming to the end of the womb phase of self-conscious humans overgrowing the womb of Earth and and overpopulating, polluting, and misusing high technology. Mm -hmm. And this phase from 1945 to the 1960s, early 70s with Apollo, to 2011 is the phase of the very early dawning of our capability for conscious evolution toward the birth of ourselves as a universal species. And that would mean restoring the earth, freeing ourselves from deficiencies, setting up systems of social cooperation rather than everything being pyramidal, top-down control, and moving towards I would say the evolution of the human, the evolution of society, and then to become a solar system and a galactic species. And so between the atomic bomb and the first space launches, we had the, the time frame of the, the end of an old phase and the beginning of a new, and now we're moving towards that December 21st, 2012, mm-hmm. which many people are taking from a point of view of Mayan uh, philosophy or Mayan prophecy, the end of a 26,000-year cycle. And I think, Joanna, that you might say December 22nd is day one of the next 26,000-year cycle. (laughs) What we have to do is not only have deep time past, but deep time future thinking. And that would be a pivot point. Yes, yes. Between deep time past Okay, so let's take 1945 to 2011 as a period either of the destruction of our civilization and many life forms or the birthing of a co-creative, co-evolving universal species. And I think that's what it is, and the worldview of conscious evolution helps us see it. How does that, how does this growth affect our relationship with the animals and the ecosystem world? Well, what, what, the way I see that is the simple phrase, Mother Earth hmm. is giving birth to a co-evolving species, or not. <laughs> now, if she is giving birth to a co-evolving species like ourselves, hopefully millions of people, What would we be doing? Well, the first thing we'd be doing is recognizing that we're members of one Earth community. And there are people recognizing that now, even though it's not the whole culture, who would be seeing this as members of a living planetary organism of which humans have a certain function, but we're part of that. That community and communion of species with a special role for the humans. And 
if Mother Earth is giving birth to this kind of life form, which would be a co-evolving, co-creative species, Mm -hmm. we will know, and already do know, in terms of many, many people, how to restore, how to love, how to realize we're part of something. But I also believe that we are the evolving tip of nature itself, because we can uh, create a noosphere, a thinking layer of Earth. We can create a global communication system. We can create a space, a space effort. And mm-hmm. I, I was just at something really quite wonderful called the 100-year Starship Study Group. <laughs> okay. And this is a group that is charged with looking at how within 100 years could there be built a interstellar spacecraft that would have the actual technology and capability of launching the human species to become a galactic species. And, and I was there, mm-hmm. uh, and the, the call came from people within NASA and DARPA who said it can't be governmental. Yes. It has to be private, but is it, it's entrepreneurial. And the only model we had that we could even think of of very long-range uh, efforts was the Catholic Church's uh, building the cathedrals. Yes, yes, of course. Before 100 years. So it's not a religion that's going to do this, and it's, it can't be an ordinary business. And so it was fascinating to say, if we are to be a galactic species, what are the institutions that could grow out of our planetary culture that within 100 years could have restored the earth, freed the people, and begun this journey? That's the goal. Yes, yes. Well, I've been into this like you have for 20, 30 years, for 30, 30 years. You're one of the few women I know, um, Joanna, who has the whole story in her, I would say, in your very body. Thank you. you. Know, it's, not, it's not just even that you understand it intellectually. And I'm, I'm one of those. And um, as you well know, many years ago, uh, I think it must have been in the early 70s, somebody said to me, Barbara, there's someone you sound very much, who sound, you sound just like somebody else. Who? <laughs> And this person said, Timothy Leary. Uh-huh. And uh, Timothy was just getting out of prison. Right, right. And so I said, well, do you think he, could, he would meet me? So they brought Timothy to meet me in Washington, D.C. We, we became really good friends. And we had very much the same images. Yes. His was larval to, to caterpillar to butterfly. That's and right. mine was our crisis is a birth, like baby in the womb overgrowing the womb and having to to come forth and then restore the mother and so forth. And I, I think, and you were also a friend of Timothy's, yes. that you, you, I mean, you really had it totally in your being. Yes, uh, yes, I believe that, as it was uh, really extraordinary for me to come and stay at your house in Washington, D.C., in uh, 1980, 81, maybe 80, 81, and uh, I read this manual that you wrote with your companion, John Whiteside, and I understood every 
every bit of it. It was yes. amazing. It was like reading my own mind. <laughs> I know. You see, I think some of us are really already universal humans. And we're here on Earth to to evolve ourselves and contribute to our world, but that we're already universal beings. Barbara, I have a I have a question uh, for you, which is you've been a futurist for a long time. Yeah. And I'm really interested to hear how um, how have things that you imagined spiritually and materially come true in the last 30 years? And how has this touched you and given you even more enthusiasm for creating and co-creating the future? One of the uh, really remarkable things, Joanna, is that the basic sentence that I've been guided by is our crisis is a birth. Uh-huh. Now, what's really happened is the crisis. <laughs> right. I was saying our crisis is a birth starting in the mid-60s when there was no apparent global environmental crisis, even though it was actually happening. It certainly was not well known. And if you look at what's happened since the 60s, is the imminence of a particularly environmental, but also social and many respects crisis is now front page news everywhere. Mm-hmm. The birth of the co-evolving, co-creative, generative species is less newsworthy, but it's more ish- interesting to people because the issue of the crisis has arisen. Yes. And when it's pretty obvious that the heads of industry, the heads of government, the president of the United States, are all stuck or doing the wrong thing. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And even if individuals within those institutions would want to be co-evolving and co-creative, their structures won't let them. And I think the the terrible struggle of President Obama... Mm -hmm because of the oppositional system in which he lives and the pressures of the corporate structure that is supporting the system in which is oppositional is is very instructive because you can't look to the president of the U.S. to do this. As somebody said, the Dalai Lama could be president of the U.S. and nothing would happen. Not much. Or president of an existing university. They're structured in all these separate disciplines with fiefdoms and, you know, enormous interest in various separated disciplines. Mm -hmm. And certainly global corporations cannot lead the way because they're structured as predators to make more profit uh, no matter what they might destroy. Now, there are a few corporations who are changing, and they're all pioneers who are changing. And, you know, I'm not saying there's no evolution in capitalism. There is, but not enough because the structure makes it extremely hard. My friend Hazel Henderson and others are talking about ethical marketplace, ethical markets. It's happening, but slowly. And so I guess my, what was my point? <laughs> I was, I was, I'm that sorry, you, I got so involved in what wasn't working. That you can't change the system from within the structure oh, of the it. system. That's it. 
any effort that we might have had thinking that the head of some big system, whether it be the UN, the United States, Harvard University, or whatever, was going to be leading us, it, it is not possible. They're not. Who's leading us? You and I are, and times millions. We're the ones, and what we need is one more degree of connectivity and shared shared purpose, shared vision of all of these smaller activities. And that's my passion right now, um, Joanna, mm-hmm. is what I'm calling it a planetary birth celebration. We've had Earth Day when we saw Earth from space. The astronauts really took those pictures. We landed on a, on a new world in 1969. 1970 was the first Earth Day. I believe that December 21st, 22nd can be the first birth day for the birth of a co-evolving, co-creative humanity at the very beginning of its stage of shifting the culture. Mm-hmm. I do believe if you take the wheel of co-creation, the symbol in our turn on the spiral of all the different sectors of endeavor like health, education, economics, mm-hmm. Uh, spirituality, religion, all of that, you will find in every sector innovations and creative people already shifting the culture. Now, none of, we, we are not yet news, we're not yet connected, and we're not yet having a shared experience that we're working towards. So I'm giving my energy with my teaching on teleseminars and my working with my colleagues and friends to, to create a planetary birth day yes. on December 21st, 22nd. The 21st is the end of the cycle, and 22nd, the beginning of the next. Yes. Which then leads into the increased connectivity and uh, co-creativity of what's already emergent among us. I think that's fantastic. I I feel a, a lot of uh, enthusiasm for that. Yes. So um, how can we work together in creating this great celebration? Yes. Well, the, the first thing, I mean, literally uh, yesterday, Joanna, mm-hmm. I realized I've been thinking about this. I've been wanting to serve this and that I had to know that that's what I was doing. You know what I mean? Yes, I do. Sometimes you can have this this wonderful vision of what you're doing, but you're not quite doing it. Yes, yes, yes. (laughs) I'm doing it now, and the first thing I had to do was write out the sort of overview perspective on how how I see it working, and then start making a list of people who want to participate. So I'm putting you down right now on my chat. Great. Count me in. And so... I was just talking with uh, Irvin Laszlo. Do you yes. know who he is? Yes, of course. Well, he's, he's got the Club of Budapest, which is a lot of famous people, pretty not collectively activated, like uh, Gorbachev, for example, people right. like that. Right. Well, he, he, I just heard from Irvin, would you like to be partners with me in this global celebration? So I'm saying yes, and we need a coordinating hub. Mm-hmm. Where anybody, like, just take yourself and says, I want to participate. Well, the first thing is to get that coordinating hub in place on the Internet and then have some shared uh, 
conference calls, on emails, saying, okay, here is what, what do you want to do toward this, with everybody saying what it is they most want to do, so that we could begin to see the dynamics of what's already happening. But by calling forth a convergence of it, I believe in two or three months of asking people what they most want to offer. Yes. Yes. So, like, I'll, I'll ask you, Joanna, let's just do this as if you're going to be offering what you consider to be your greatest contribution towards such. What, how would you see it? Well, I would see inviting the people who listen to Future Primitive to uh, celebrate the day our mother gives birth and then her birthday. (laughs) 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 I just just think that inviting people to participate in a birthday of the earth would be such a joyful um, invitation. metaphor. It's not even a metaphor. I think it's actually happening organically. And we are in a way mothering mother, the mothering of this earth birth. And this species that has to be mothered into its own maturity. You know, that is to say the human species. Yes, yes, yes. Us, in other words. Yes. Well, we... Yes. The nice thing about the mothering image is that the baby's always very difficult and a mess. All right, so the baby, the earth-birthed human species is still very immature in terms of how to be a co-creative, holistic species. It, in general, only been very special people who have pioneered this, but now we're talking about millions and millions of us. Well, I think that one of the one of the things that I have observed with you is uh, that you constantly, you have constantly uh, uh, got together with people, and you truly believe in the power of the, the group consciousness, and then you feed on you feed on the the the, the talking and the ideas that. You create with other people, and then things start rolling. So, one of the right. thing, one of the one of the things is to be absolutely sure that we talk about how to celebrate this mothering. Yes, yes, that's right. How to celebrate? So it really nurtures and loves and transforms. I mean, it's about time we had a celebration of our home. Uh, uh, maybe the concept, uh, how do you call it when somebody moves into a new house? Uh, housewarming. We need a housewarming. We need an earthwarming. Oh, well, that's tricky, isn't it? We need a housewarming, exactly. And, you know, and then we have to help each other when you have a housewarming. Yes. Also like those neighborhood, when we were pioneers, we had, you know, barn buildings and we we helped, we were neighborly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. A I, lot of which we've lost in our individualistic culture here in the, in the Western world for sure. We've, we've lost it. 
I mean, I spend, Joanna, most of my time on the phone, on teleseminar, and I'm, I've lost my locality. Yes. I have to really watch out for it because I'm so engaged, but it is in the noosphere, in the thinking layer of Earth. And now we're coming back to saying Earth itself is birthing this. And Earth, it could well be, you know, I've always, I've always thought from this thing that Earth is four and a half billion years old as a planet. Mm-hmm. And X number of billion years in the future, the sun will expand and destroy all planets. Uh-huh. We're midlife in the life cycle of our planet. Okay. And it could well be that Earth is literally giving birth to a universal species. And that the purpose of Earth life in the long distant future will be to replicate Earth life beyond the solar system. Right. If we are meant to be galactic, and if it's true that no matter what we do, even if we did everything right, the sun, solar systems will not last. Mm -hmm. And this is a very interesting question, is what kind of beings would we be to be galactic? Remember, Tim had this phrase, space, migration, intelligence, increased life extension. Yes, of course. That's still a pretty good phraseology for... All right, space. We have to become a space, eventually space-based species. That's something. Uh, to might, s- a, 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 well, intelligence increase. We definitely, and he did it. I squared. Right. I was going to well, say we, that's. We definitely have to square our intelligence. And you know what? If you look at the people like Ray Kurzweil, and the singularity is near on the technological information level, we, we're going to have so much intelligence that it's, it's really something we've never seen before. Then in terms of heart intelligence and love intelligence mm-hmm. within ourselves, mm-hmm. and on the spiritual basis, that also has to grow at a quantum level. Yes, uh, we will, we are having actually uh, a quantum leap in consciousness. Uh, so let's say we're having both on the inner plane and also in the information technological plane, that's intelligence increase, and then go into life extension component. Do you think, Joanna, that we're going to end up with, you know, sort of radical longevity and body transformation, or are we going to always be creature humans with a short life cycle? What do you think? Well, um, this uh, uh, brings me to... uh, Aurobindo and the mother, mm-hmm. um, Homo noeticus, right? Uh, the noetic being, and uh, I don't know what that will look like. Will that be like the rainbow body uh, that's mentioned in uh, Tibetan Buddhism? Uh, I don't know. What What do you think, my? Uh, my esteemed friend and elder. <laughs> I, I, I think it, it, that it will be a light body. I think that light body with uh, galactic intelligence. It's very interesting to me that the UFO sightings mm-hmm. seem to be able to appear and disappear. Mm-hmm. They don't have the regular physics of any aircraft 
that, or any technology that we know of. But they become visible and then quickly invisible. And I'm very interested that the stories of Jesus' resurrection were exactly like that. Lo, he was here. Lo, he was there. Yeah. And, the, and then he was nowhere. And I'm wondering if, since every religion has had some intimation of light bodies, rainbow bodies, mm-hmm. uh, and Aurobindo had his version of the Gnostic human, which eventually changes all the cells. Yes. And uh, certainly the entire Christian faith is based on a radical body transformation. Yes, yes, yes. I mean, it's interesting because they don't think of it that way, but if it wasn't that somebody thought the resurrection had happened, there wouldn't be any Christianity. He just would have been another prophet who was killed. So the fact of them thinking that, whatever experience really happened, nobody knows. But my guess is that that we're already on the way to having bodies more sensitive to thought. Yes. And that as we gain that internal spiritual attunement, combined with nanotech and biotech and zero-point energy and living in space, probably not on this earth, mm-hmm. that we'll speciate. There's, there's no reason whatsoever that this would be the final body. If you look at the past, consciousness changes bodies, like from single cells to fish, yep. going out on the dry land, new body, and then they having the four legs and the mammalian and the new bodies, the early humans, new bodies. Why wouldn't we be having new bodies for new consciousness? And yep. it, I would say it would approach light bodies. I, I, I feel it. I feel it. And so um, let's go, if you wish, to the topic of women based on the fact that, or fact, or whatever, that Mary Magdalene, the woman, was the first one to make contact with the resurrected body. Sometimes in my more mystical moments, I think I was around at that time to I, see it. I think we were together. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. I it so much. I, I, and I've had a Christ experience in which I, I, I once saw a group of hang gliders jumping off a higher mountain here in Santa Barbara. Mm-hmm. And it reminded me of mass metamorphosis. And I had a Christ experience at just that moment. Basically, here was the message. My resurrection was real. It is a forecast of what you will do collectively when you love God above all else, your neighbor as yourself, your neighbor and nature as yourself. Yourself as me, a natural Christ, combined with science and technology, you will all be changed. And it suddenly flashed on me that if we add this evolution of our spiritual and loving intelligence with the very highest degree of technologies, including transforming our bodies and probably, you know, warp drive and non-local communication capabilities or traveling by laser beam and sending digital versions of life throughout the universe, Mm -hmm. all of this, 
that uh, what we thought of as Jesus and made into a god was actually an advanced being with all these technological capabilities that are about to happen to us. And I know that's a far-out thought, but that's what I think. Wow. Wow. That's, that's really interesting. Jesus as the bionic man. <laughs> I mean, the future human, he came in on a light beam. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. A virgin birth. We're doing it already. Uh, Barbara... I uh, I forgot what I want to ask you, but I definitely want to ask you <laughs> that particular thing. But I've completely forgotten. <laughs> I know Jesus, the bionic man, that sort of knocked our conversation out. <laughs> oh yeah, I wanted to um, I wanted to ask you about how what what we can do. To be inclusive, how can we, how can we be less exclusive of one another? Well, you know, I just thinking of the uh, story of the very earliest formation of the Christians before the church became an empire. They attracted by this incredible thought that Christ is risen. People of every level of society from the very poor to the very rich, because there were some people attuned to that potential. I hear you. And then they they created real community and caring for one another, and tremendous, amazing heroism of going into those terrible gladiators and being killed and tortured. I mean, I, I don't think I'd ever have that kind of courage, but nonetheless, they did. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if, you see, that was, was we could say, inclusive, exclusive. Yeah. It was completely inclusive of those who were attuned. That's right. I think what we're saying is completely inclusive of all with a sense of what's emergent. And that it goes beyond race, class, color, creed, and discipline. It's a, it's a quality of being that's attractive. And that's the, those are the pioneers of this earth. Well, Timothy used to say that evolution is self-selective. It is. It's self-selective and self-elected. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and I, I have learned from all my work in the 25 SINCON conferences where we had, you know, from black kids, from, you know, gangs in mm-hmm. Los Angeles, to space scientists in Huntsville, Alabama, the ones that got it had nothing to do with education, race, or, or uh, sort of cultural background. What it had to do with was attunement to what's emergent in mm-hmm. yourself and mm-hmm. the world and mm-hmm. beyond. Mm-hmm. And th- those are the ones. And so you're not going to persuade somebody who's not attracted. Well, see, that, that kind of takes me to this, um, this difficult... Uh, a question, which is, there's a lot of, um, there's, there's quite a bit of chatter on the internet about what, um, 
you said in an evolutionary interpretation of the New Testament, I think it was in that, and you spoke about the pale horse. Um, and um, I mean, I sh- this is this is a, a this is a, a a show, so I shouldn't be giving my opinion, but I will. Um, Go ahead. Yes. I, I, yeah, yeah. I think that uh, there are some people who don't self-select, uh, and I think there are some people who are definitely stuck in the old conditioning, and um, that uh, they might disappear. Well, you know, it's a very um, unknown next step. If you think our crisis is the birth of a co-evolving, co-creative species, what happens to those who do not self-select or who are not attracted? Well, one thing is people fortunately die off. Yeah, well, I was, that's what I was thinking of. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, you know, I think it was Frank Lloyd Wright. Somebody said, what do you think of Boston? He said, nothing that a few good funerals wouldn't help. That's amazing. <laughs> As an 81-year-old, I shouldn't be talking, but I think that a lot of people of the old structure will not last. Yeah. I think everybody who's attracted to cooperation, co-creation, and love will evolve, and that it's an internal quality. And I do believe that in order for us to avoid the terrible foreseen breakdowns, particularly with the environment and the global warming, is that we have to very rapidly connect what's loving and innovative. Rapidly. And that's what I call the peace room as sophisticated as a war room. And I've been trying this for years, Joanna. I haven't yet either raised the money or found the way to create an internet site whose whole purpose is scan, map, connect, and communicate what's working. Yes, of course, or, or a news, a daily news of what's working. And, that, and right at the hub of that is the news of what's working, and it reaches out into the mass media so that they can help us tell the story. I mean, you put it right there in a nutshell, that's, that is a function that I think things like Facebook and all these rapidly, amazingly growing social networks are the precursors of exactly that. Barbara, go to Oprah. Uh, she has her new, um, yeah. uh, 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 new TV channel. Yes. And uh, and suggest to her that she she do the uh, a newsroom where everything is inspiring, even politically. Yes. Yes. That uh, that is on my list. Good, good. <clears throat> That's exactly right. Yeah, I think that a television station that would have a daily, a daily news. You had a word for that. I forgot what it was. The, well, the new news. The new news, exactly. Yes, instead of the old news. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, we mainly get the old news. Yeah, exactly. Uh, same old bad news. Yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Old, it's not even news, you know. It, it's what—it's really what 
there's, there's something that's dying. There's, there's part of our culture that's dying because it's not sustainable. That's really a very good point here. Some how, things can't last because they're not sustainable. How about the awe news, A-W-E? Yeah. The news awe. The awesome news. Yes, the awe news. It is awesome, and some of it is extremely beautiful and very exciting. And it's also, I put it in the context of the drama of birth, the evolution or or destruction of what's emerging. If you say, you know, birth is very dangerous. Yes. Mothers die, babies die. It's painful, too. And it, there's nothing certain about how birth will turn out. That's right. So when we say our crisis is at birth, and Earth is giving birth, it's a labor, and it's painful. And I think in our uh, planetary body, it's especially painful because we have a, a, an exaggerated illusion of separation from each other. That's right. And we have a mass media that accentuates separation which is like a nervous system disease of the planet. And so we don't get what's emerging. We're not, it's not being communicated through our nervous system. Now, it is like what you're doing times. If you, if you could right now connect all the smaller local radio and TV activities, you have already, we have already a new network. But just like everything else that's good, it's, it's still not fully connected. Uh, well, that kind of connects to um, the work of Stan Groff. I mean, we could probably parallel this birth with the birth process, the four stages of birth that Stan Groff talks about. What, what are those four stages? You remind, remind me of that. What are the four, four stages? I forgot. But there's the... There's the moment where the baby, um, the fetus realizes that it's no longer comfortable. Yes, um, yes. Mm-hmm. And then there's, uh, there's the stage, uh, first the baby's in the ocean, oceanic stage. Mm-hmm. And then uh, when the baby realizes it's no longer comfortable, it's when the contractions are starting. And uh, then the, uh, the fetus might might feel that that it will always be in that yes, um, in that, yes, that stage yes. and then uh, there's a struggle there's a and the, the the fetus feels it's being pushed out of its comfort jo- zone mm-hmm. and it's been pushed out of bliss where yes, where it was yes. That's and right, it's true. Uh, and then there's a the moment where it it thinks when it's in the birth canal that it's completely caught and then, wow! Then there's this new state of state of being, the completely different state of being that yeah. happens when yeah. it is actually released from the womb. Right. That's uh, when you get that first blissful look and the planet and the smile. Yes. Yes. And the baby's first smile. That's why I think of the analogy here of a planetary smile. Planetary smile. Oh, and how of us getting it. How about on the 22nd of December, everyone on this planet smiles in gratitude. <laughs> That's a great thing. Everyone smiles. The planetary smile. <laughs> That's 
right. And you can smile at somebody, too. Yes, <laughs> yes, least, beautiful. At least one other person. <laughs> beautiful, beautiful. Exactly. <laughs> you know, even, even saying planetary smile, whenever I say it, I smile. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and anybody you say it to smiles. Exactly. <laughs> well, we've got some more fun in store, Barbara. <laughs> we do, Joe Allen. We do. I'm so happy to be reconnecting with you. Thank you. So, Barbara, we're going to bring this conversation around, and I like to ask the fabulous visionaries with whom I have the privilege to talk. Um, what would you like to say to the people who are listening? In closing, um, well, I would ask them the question: What do you feel is your most wonderful gift to the planetary birth of our co-evolving species? What do you want to give? Mm-hmm. What is your greater expression that, if you gave it, you yourself? would come alive in a new way. And please let Joanna know what that is. (laughs) 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 Email Joanna so she can email me. Fabulous. And and then she will be a point of of, of real uh, collection of that which is wanting to be given to the larger planetary birth. It's fabulous. What is your smile to the planetary smile? Yes, if you're smiling, what is the gift? You know that in the old Christ story, the wise men came giving gifts to the Christ child? Yes, yes. Well, we're giving gifts to the cosmic child humanity. Beautiful. What gifts do you want to give? Beautiful. That's the question. And we are all the Magi. We are all the magicians. That's it. And we need all of us to do this, you see. And in that sense, the the Christ story is a very good um, metaphor for what's happening here. The child is born in a manger. It's not like born in a palace. It's not born at Harvard. Yeah. It's born in, in, in its own obscurity because it's so great that it could not fit into any existing old system. Beautiful. It doesn't fit into any structure. No. Good. Well, this is excellent news, Barbara. (laughs) And so please let me know what your listeners say. That's such a wonderful question you asked, and it's the first time I've ever thought to ask it, because I only decided yesterday that this is my purpose in the next two years is to be one of the catalysts for this. Well, this is uh, what um, I'd like to say, that every time you and I talk, we increase our intelligence right. by being with each other. That's right, we do. And so I want to uh, wish and ask that people in community and people together Um, let that increase in intelligence happen through relationship. Yes. Absolutely true. 
Well, this is wonderful. Thank you so much, Barbara. Oh, thank you, my dear. I love you, Joanna. I'm just delighted to be in touch again. All right. I love you too. Bye-bye. Bye. Future Primitive is made possible by the Marion Institute. If you enjoy these podcasts, please consider supporting our work by making a tax-deductible contribution online at futureprimitive.org.